Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the CrossFit Journal Audio Edition. I'm Matt, and today I'll be reading What About Cardio? Written by Greg Glassman in June of 2004. What about the cardio? Conventional wisdom holds that extended bouts of monostructural training, run, bike, swim, row, etc., commonly referred to as cardio, confer distinct and powerful advantages to athletic conditioning. This month, we explore the proposition that traditional cardio may be neither as distinct nor as powerful a contribution to general conditioning as widely believed. In fact, we assert that CrossFit-like programming provides a more effective stimulus for improving cardiorespiratory endurance than running, rowing, cycling, or other traditional monostructural protocols. What about the cardio? is an elaboration on the CrossFit's approach to developing elite cardiorespiratory endurance. As a point of reference in history, we stated in the August 2003 CrossFit Journal, elite runners, cyclists, swimmers, or triathletes crumble when exposed to simple CrossFit stressors and their failure is obviously cardiorespiratory. And our athletes are increasingly doing very well in competitions based on skills and activities for which they've had little or no training. Let's revisit these claims. The idea that an endurance athlete might or could experience athletic failure due to cardiorespiratory insufficiency has been for many a tough pill to swallow, and admittedly it is a curious thing to witness firsthand. We must, however, begin with an explanation as to our standard for assessing cardiorespiratory insufficiency. As the cause for performance failure, our standard is simple, if not crude, and admittedly somewhat subjective. The behaviors and symptoms we associate with cardiorespiratory insufficiency are often referred to as gassing in the training world. Apart from gassing, we recognize a second manner of performance failure or limitation that is largely neuromuscular in origin and refers to behaviors associated with it as musculature failure. If during a set of thrusters, front squat and push press, the reps continue smoothly until the athlete suddenly stops, polar ashen or green, lips blue, ventilation rate high, heart rate high, non-communicative, and he's flagpoled to the bar to hold himself up, we say he's gassed. In contrast, if during a set of thrusters, each passing rep is slower than the one before until one rep finally stops at three quarters extension, pauses only to come thundering back to the chest, the athlete is flushed, not ashen. Ventilation rate and heart rate are less significant, and the athlete is immediately communicative on unloading. This is muscular failure. Much of this distinction is paralleled in the comparison Dr. Jim Crawley has made between cardiorespiratory endurance, the ability of the body's system to gather, process, and deliver oxygen, and stamina, the ability of body systems to process, deliver, and store utilized energy. Without a doubt, the distinctions we are making gloss over a lot of interaction and interdependence of factors and mechanisms, but being able to distinguish between failures more systematic in origin and those more localized is, and always has been, an absolutely indispensable coaching skill and tool. Here's what typically happens when we dump an elite endurance athlete into a typical CrossFit circuit like Fight Gone Bad. The endurance athlete cannot come close to the reps crossfitters post on each station and often explains that the loads, though none are over 75 pounds, are too heavy. Indeed, much of the endurance athlete's difficulties at the initial prescribed loads look with partial, slow, or even failed reps like muscular failure. If we then reduce the load so that the endurance athlete can match the reps of our regulars, then they gas, 
often spectacularly. The performance of elite and world-class endurance athletes exposed to CrossFit-like workouts, mixed-modal, high-intensity functional movements, reveals them to be closer to sedentary than CrossFit. More broadly, the performance advantage of elite endurance capacities within a single domain may suggest very little about performance capacity at dissimilar challenges, and importantly, this applies equally and specifically to gassing. As an example, riding a bike to develop jiu-jitsu cardiorespiratory endurance does not work. Running works a little better, and rowing is better yet. We think we know why. More on that later. The second claim we made back in August is that our athletes are increasingly doing very well in competitions based on skills and activities for which they've little or no training continues to be the case. But relatedly, we are finding that regiments like CrossFit's workout of the day, WOD, are excellent preparation for longer events and greater distances than the WOD stimulus. Carl Herzog's letter was one of hundreds we received in the same vein. Somewhere, in another issue, you state your belief that CrossFit's training is superior to biking or running in preparation for any sport other than biking or running. Well, I decided to test that claim in a small way. Toward the end of this past year's biking season, when I would normally incorporate some running in anticipation of the upcoming cross-country ski season, I started CrossFit-style workouts instead. I have, as you say, crumbled when faced with the CrossFit stressors, but that hasn't stopped me from at least following the principles. After only three months, I am, in a word, stunned. My skiing fitness is better at the beginning of the season than what I usually attain by the season's end. I find myself wondering who spent the summer bulldozing the tops off those hills because they have never been easier to climb. Cross-country is supposed to be a cardiorespiratory activity. How is it possible that 15 to 30 minute workouts make it so easy to ski hard for two hours? This sentiment has been echoed by many of the world's best coaches and athletes. The CrossFit approach to fitness has proven to be highly effective general physical preparation for training and competitions for ultra-endurance, alpining, endurance, triathlon, power endurance, rugby and martial arts, power, skiing, and ultra-power, throwing and weightlifting events. In the domain of the unknown and unknowable, physical demands, police, military, fire personnel, The CrossFit approach to fitness is peerless. In every environment, our athletes not only perform well, they do not gas. Summarizing, CrossFit trained athletes are prepared for cardiorespiratory demands of any activity, and traditional endurance athletes are not. This leads us to the inescapable conclusion that cardiorespiratory fitness possesses breadth and depth. Depth being the cardiorespiratory capacity, and breadth, it's measured across multiple modalities. Not only does the cardiorespiratory endurance possess breadth and depth, but it also does not exist or develop independently of neuromuscular function. A resting heart rate of 32 and a VO2 max of 70 bring utility or advantage depending on the manner or mode in which it is developed. We've observed that cardiorespiratory capacity is transferable to other activities depending on the manner in which it was developed. The transferability of endurance training is the greatest when it best matches the intended application. We mentioned earlier that rowing was better than running, which in turn was better than cycling for developing the cardiorespiratory endurance required of jiu-jitsu. What does jiu-jitsu's movements look most like? Rowing, running, or cycling? Endurance work built from activities employing functional movement, long lines of action, full range of motion, more joints involved, and predisposed mechanically to higher work output offer fuller application and greater transferability of cardiorespiratory endurance generally to other activities, which makes sense. In light of the above, 
because the bulk of human movement is largely constituent of the same movements. Most of human movement can be seen as either combinations or subsets of running, throwing, jumping, pushing, climbing, and lifting. Ultimately, functionality of the endurance work determines the effectiveness of its transference. This brings us back to the issue of the breadth and depth of cardiorespiratory adaptation. The functional movements that CrossFit employs are designed to be elemental, two, or irreducible constituents representative of all productive movement. It would follow then that the CrossFit protocol is developing an enormously broad cardiorespiratory adaptation. For our athletes, the breadth of cardiorespiratory capacity across multiple, even unknown tasks is solely a function of and closely correlated to their performance or ranking, for instance, our WAD. Anyone getting smoking times or scores on the WAD is, relative to other athletes, in better cardiorespiratory shape. On this basis of the breadth and depth of cardiorespiratory response, we can claim to be developing some of the best aerobically conditioned athletes on earth. Lance Armstrong could only do one thing better than our guys, just one. This view of cardiorespiratory endurance is clearly at odds with popular, even professional opinion. For many, this makes understanding the point quite difficult. The title for this issue was, in fact, inspired by an athlete asking, while profoundly out of breath, what about the cardio? Inquiring what it was we did for cardio. For too many people, cardio is something good that happens to their heart and lungs only while sitting on a bike or running. For these people, we thought that seeing an athlete's heart rate during a CrossFit workout and during more traditional cardio protocols might open the door to the possibility that workouts comprised of exercises traditionally seen as resistance or strength training exercises could be used to elicit potent cardiorespiratory stimulus. So we strapped downloadable heart rate monitor the Polar S720i, to several athletes and put them to work. Here were the protocols. A1, Mike Weaver, bike, 2.89 miles. A2, Mike Weaver, 150 wall ball shots. B1, Dave Lees, running one mile. B2, Dave Lees, Fran, 21.59 reps of 95-pound thruster and pull-ups. C1, Mike Weaver, row 20 minutes. C2, Mike Weaver, 5 pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 15 squats for 20 minutes. D1, Matt Mast, 2K row. D2, Matt Mast, 1K row, 50 thrusters at 45 pounds, and 30 pull-ups for time. See graphs starting on page 4. We caution against trying to read too much into our little experiment. The point is simply that CrossFit-like stressors are, at least in terms of heart rate, quite similar to traditional cardio. It also warrants mentioning that we wouldn't trade all the heart rate monitors in the world for a coach's whistle or ball cap. We never use heart rate monitors in our clinical practice, and they offer very little benefit to athletes other than endurance specialists. We measure and train for outputs. The focus is on function, not its correlates. Were we racing hearts, we'd all have heart rate monitors. If a workout of pull-ups, push-ups, and squats carries a cardiorespiratory stimulus similar to rowing, are there perhaps other advantages to stamina, strength, speed, power, flexibility, agility, balance, accuracy, and coordination to the calisthenic routine that rowing may not offer? We suggest the answer is a resounding yes. This brings us to another important point. For elite fitness, the general physical skills might not be optimally developed independently of one another. 
it seems to us a false reductionism on an order with developing strength one muscle group at a time, a demonstrably fruitless approach. Cardiorespiratory endurance and the rest of the general physical skills are best perceived of as aspects or qualities of functional movement. Finally, CrossFit is not an analytical or theoretical approach to fitness. It is entirely clinical and empirical. What we've presented here is in large part conjecture about the how and why of some seeming paradoxes surrounding the success of our protocol. You have just listened to What About Cardio, written by Greg Glassman. For the figures discussed in this article, please see the show notes below linking to the original article. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And if you could just take a quick second to like, rate, or share the podcast, it would mean so much to me. Thanks for listening and have a great day.